0: Guys, back today. This is William, your host here at World of Water, and today we have our second part of the key part interview we had with the Stacey Torres. She, like I said in the yesterday's she is the Chief Operations Officer for 258 Studios. Uh, our first part of our conversation dealt with some of her past struggles, uh, some of her lowest lows, and today we're going to talk about some of her highest highs. Uh, at the end of this conversation. Uh, I did learn one thing about a real life Toy Story. I truly believe that uh, I now have a friend in her, Miss Stacy Toy. So guys, after the break, we'll be back to finish our conversation with Stacy. quick word from us here at World of Wally. Um, we are always looking for support from our listeners to help continue our purpose, continue our drive, continue our mission. Uh, here at World of Wally, we strive to provide top-notch, compelling content that appeals to all ages and backgrounds. We do approach the podcast as a vehicle to deliver this information in a way that everyone, even the common man or common woman, feels that content speaks directly to them. We can only continue to provide thought-provoking and engaging conversations and guests with your help and your support. World of Wally is nothing without you, the listener, and your support. Thank you from all of us here at World of Wally. If you want to become part of our journey here as this project continues, uh, find out more at our Patreon link uh, at www.patreon.com front slash World of Wally. You also will be able to find it in the episode notes of each episode throughout season two. Like I said, guys, we couldn't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. So anything you can do to help, we appreciate it. And as always, guys, Wally out. All right, guys, we're back with Stacy Toys. Stacy, how are you? You good? You hanging in there? You ready to go? All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, what you've, you've got quite a few accomplishments. Uh, you've worked with quite a few important and impressive and celebrity types. Uh, you're also a live production guru. Uh, you are a master of live production. You have your own production company. let's talk about some of that. Okay. What are, what are some of your, what are some of your early career highlights that you're most proud of?
1: Um, well, I did just almost 11 years in the live news broadcast world. Um, since starting in that, I've worked and filmed in 47 countries for just about every major network uh, around the world, which is cool. Um, after that, uh, essentially, I, I, I started to see the automation system happening behind the scenes in the production in the control rooms when I was over in London training for the Olympics in 2012 over, I was in CNN, I was in a lot of different places and they were transitioning both to HD and the automation system. Now the automation systems are basically, they, they put control rooms uh, from like 12 people down to two because everything is just automated and it becomes like a playlist. So I did get to see that. So then two years later uh, in 2014, when automation was coming to the United States and especially uh, my station, because the station I worked for is the, um, America's highest rated local newscast in the country. And so we were, were top for ABC uh, as their local affiliates. Um, and we covered like 21 counties or something obscene. It's it's unbelievable the amount of, of space that we covered. Um, so, When that happened, I just dove right into it because, again, I'm one of those people who has a natural curiosity. I like to know how things work because I feel like the more that you know, the more useful it can all be. Uh, And even if you never have to use it, I'd rather have it in my back pocket. Um, So that ultimately led to the director, corporate director of engineering who invented the automation program. He chose me and two other people that were in different parts of the United States, and essentially we troubleshot and perfected the automation systems for across the United States, uh, bringing all the control rooms people from, like I said, like 12 people down to two. So I saw the writing on the wall, like. They might not get rid of me now, but in 10 years from now, when I'm older and all that, what am I going to do? And it's not like it's another control room because it's happening everywhere. And I just saw it happen over in Europe two years ago. So it's, it's just making its way and and it's more cost efficient for companies. I mean, TV stations for the most part are investments uh, to a lot of people. So I mean, they're just tossed around like here's 19 by 19 at the same time. Um, So after. Uh, almost 11 years of doing all that stuff uh, with the master's degree and everything I was making a whopping $27,000 a year so no the money wasn't there either (laughs) Um, so after that I kind of took a few months and started calculating some new moves and because my husband had died I was the sole financial provider for my two kids but I had been kind of putting some stuff away and no, I didn't get an insurance policy because a legal issue, but just know that I didn't get any of it. So I think I got $20 when they closed out his whole account. So I didn't have money from when my husband died because he didn't die in combat either. Um, So after all of that, I decided to leave my full-time comfy position um, and I gave myself a specific amount of time to try and do something for me and to just see kind of if this stuff could work out on a grander, bigger scheme. Um, and essentially it was all due to networking. Um, but I did get hired uh, a few months after I had quit my full-time job. Actually, it wasn't even a few months. It was probably less than a month. Uh, yeah, less than a month after I left my full-time job, I got hired on this horror film uh, to do public relations called 100 Acres of Hell uh, so I started going to meetings this was great then we started filming in a week on set again natural curiosity I ask questions I like to see how things work um, all of that information kind of led to finding out that there was some uh, goings on behind the scene that shouldn't have been money wise uh, so some people were like oh and The people who Jason Kerner, uh, Ed McKeever, Ernie O'Donnell, Gene Snitsky—they all kind—they all came to me and said, "We want you to run the entire production set as the production manager and help us produce." Essentially, I'm like, "You guys know that? Like, this is—I've only been on set like a week, and and, like, I have no idea. This is totally different than live TV news." They're like, "Yeah, I know, but we think you could do it. We'll help you." Um, So that started my career where i am right now uh 100 acres of hell ended up filming about half of it in on my property here so when i said my father said nobody's gonna come and knock on your door here to, to get you i brought an entire production crew here and i filmed a movie that is now streaming on amazon sold at walmart just played at times square in new york city Um, and I'm super excited it's about it's on about 32 streaming platforms Um, and that was five years ago so I've only just started in this industry five years ago and it was because of People, uh, people believed in me, um, and I got on the set because of networking. And I mean, it literally changed my career. Um, and then it was when I did get hired as this production manager. I reached out uh, to a, a good friend of mine named Mark Denenbaum uh, because he had just come back from Los Angeles. He was in production and started on the first two seasons of Sons of Anarchy. He did Twenty Four, House, Scrubs, Elementary, like I mean, all the major shows. Uh, on all the major networks for years out in los angeles so i asked him to help me um and then he's the one who was like you're a producer and i'm like no i'm not like tv news producing and film producing is two totally different things and i had no idea Um, and he's like no you're a producer and i'm like how do you know and he's like so he hired me as his producer for this toyota commercial Um, and he's like I'll show you and he showed me what a producer does I'm like oh my gosh I'm a producer holy moly like how did I not know about this and that was the commercial that my my youngest son starred in my oldest son excuse me was an extra in and won my very first American advertising award so it was like and now mark and i are business partners we run 258 studios uh we're we're based in scranton pennsylvania yes home of the office <laughs> uh, but we also have affiliate offices in los angeles atlanta orlando and london right now so uh yeah it's like what can you do in five years i can't wait to see what i can do in five more
0: <laughs> so interesting it's live production and I guess we'll call it stage production or or box production, which to you, I mean, did you feel like the non-live, the more taped production stuff was more difficult simply because you didn't have knowledge about that subject matter? Or do you believe live production because of the, you know, live production is so unexpected. I mean, you can't anticipate everything that goes on. Which one was more difficult for you?
1: I've had, I've been able to do stage stuff. I did produce that, produce, but again, I didn't know what producing was Um, at my local news station. um, After I got done directing, I would also go out and shoot film, shoot, not shoot film. (laughs) These. they're called Pennsylvania or Good Morning Pennsylvania, and they played right before the Good Morning America cut-ins. Um, and it was actually something that I did when I was in seventh grade, and always wanted to do. So I did get to go out, and I would pre-record people, but it was, and then I'd come back and I'd edit it myself, and then it, you know put it into the system, and it would air, and and all that. So I've, I've had all of that aspect, but movies are different because normally you just in news you you film one side. But in in film, you need to catch reactions and close-ups and and, and two shots and this and that. Um, I do miss the intensity of uh, directing a live newscast, especially the ones... Um, like the Sandy Hook shooting like you're not breathing until a commercial but there's not even like going to be a commercial Um, but your adrenaline just goes and goes and goes and I guess especially being a former drug addict that was like my high Um, and I love doing the live news because everything you had to pay attention to everything and it was like my ADHD was finally a superpower because I'm like I got this you know what I mean it's like um, I miss all of that but it's going away and it's just even with the automation systems everything is really just like a playlist and you kind of just hit a button Um, it's not the same yes they have them at live events but uh, I'm just not a sports person like uh, they've asked me back to do other things at the other Olympics like in Brazil and Russia and all that but honestly the one in working for the one in London was 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 scary Uh, my husband wasn't even gone a year yet at that time And I almost didn't go because the insurance papers are like so thick. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't think it. But in retrospect, um, well, they tell you this actually, that the terrorists, like they usually go to school like Cambridge and Oxford and stuff like that. So it's not like they're getting on a plane. They just walk down the street and they target media because media makes media. Um, And if you blow up a truck, then everyone's going to cover that. So I was really hesitant to even want to go especially just losing my husband and my children now being seven and five um, but my oldest son he said to me mom most of my friends said parents said they could have done that and they should have done that and he said I want to say that my mom did do that and I'm like okay okay I'll go you know like and just be careful but it's like that, that made me just such a like it was so proud in that moment because I'm like how did you learn so much you know and it's like it's awesome. My kids inspire me so much; they really do. I'm I mark my words. I'm going to be working for my oldest son at one point in time in my life. I will tell tell you right now.
0: <laughs> he's going to keep mom around, keep her on the payroll, try to take care of her.
1: I I know it. He's just he's just such a better, cooler person than me, and that's okay. Sometimes though, like. He says things because he's so witty and quick. I don't know if I should slap him across the face or write it down. It's like you know, it's not appropriate. But well, was that a good one? Maybe I'll and I take some of his his comebacks and use them and pretend that they're mine. So,
0: <laughs> well, one of the first things that jumped off the page it made when I was reading some of your bio information is like I said, you did have the um, experience of working with the Olympics. You know, considered probably the largest live sporting event in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I told you Offset before we started recording that um, you know, I'd had that opportunity to get that inside look at production through live events that I'd, through that security and staffing company I'd worked with. So that's why I had a real utmost respect for what you were able to pull off because, you know, I only dealt with, you know, at the most 100,000 people at a time. And you were dealing with, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of people. So, uh, and and you and I both agreed on it that live events are so unpredictable and so you, you I don't, I truly don't understand how a production staff can pull off a live event and it looks so smooth, you know, the finished product, so, uh, yep. and that's why I was and asking we,
1: about. We take lemons and we turn it into duct tape and like, yeah, because you have no choice, like yeah. that's the kind of people who make it in this world. It's like you, we know it's impossible, but somehow you just continue to make it possible in one way, shape or form. So why are you giving up now? And
0: why does that look more scary than that? I mean... I got an off-the-path question real quick to ask because it popped in my head as you were talking because you you have referenced this on a couple of occasions during our conversation. Um, You had an opioid issue. Uh, You do not have an opioid issue anymore, and I commend you for that. Anybody that can walk away from something that has chains on them, I, I commend you for that effort. But during all this that you've got going on, you've got so many things, you know, so many irons in the fire at one time. Do you ever, I mean, you you lost your husband, you know, that's another life altering experience. At any time during this, did you feel like, you know, the pills were bringing you back? They were calling you back? Did you, did you feel the pressure to return to the, to the numbing of the, of the, because
1: there, I do keep up just with stuff because I've worked on a few, um, uh, nonprofit opioid, like uh, 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 like PSA things or or events and things like that. Um. They're not the same as they used to be. They're expensive. I never bought them. Like I wasn't, I mean, I would buy cocaine and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, and Of course I mixed it all. I mean, it was nuts. Um, I did snort heroin once. I never did intravenous drugs, but I had no problem messing around with a whole bunch of stuff. I wasn't ever really a drinker just because it's not, It it just wasn't my thing. Um, So I was more into the hard stuff. So yeah, I'll be clean from all the hard stuff for 17 years at the end of this year. Uh, My husband will be gone nine years on Veterans Day this year. Um, Like I haven't gotten remarried or any of that stuff. I just kind of just been focusing on the kids and the business and and you know, we'll see where it takes me. I mean, my boys, like I said, they're gonna be out of the house in, in just about a year or two, you know, two, three years, whatever, so. I have to spend as much time with them because we're the three amigos
0: <laughs> for my younger listeners the uh comment she made about cocaine that fun stuff that she made that as a jest. that wasn't she. Wasn't yes i'm sick. sorry
1: i'm sorry yes please it's not like no it drugs, was it drugs was, are was bad yeah. Drug,
0: <laughs> drugs are bad she agrees with that so
1: yeah. So you'll never, yeah. It's just trust me. Okay. Just trust
0: me. <laughs> All right. So you've crammed about 50 years worth of experience in your few years here on this earth from the time you, well, when you said you were seven years old, you want to be a live action news anchor. So from, yeah. So from seven and then the next 15 or 18 years that passed, well, you're a little more than that. You, you said you were 37. So in the next 20 years, you've crammed 50 years worth into it. Um, where where are you headed now well first of all I got, let me get a sidebar question then i'm going to ask you where you headed now the name of your production company where did that originate
1: that's my business partner mark we he, we just celebrated 10 years uh of being a production company uh this month yes uh but i've only been with him for five so it's his company uh, but twenty five eight because twenty four seven just isn't enough time.
0: <laughs> twenty five eight. I, I it's curious because I never I I wanted that was one question I wanted to ask you before you got out of here because I I said that's the craziest name for a production company and I I, and I kept trying to figure out where does it come from what what's I was trying I was trying to figure it out myself I said I'll just ask because it's got to have some crazy story twenty four seven is not enough I love that yeah. <laughs> all right, so now. And
1: we do work because we're not a nine to five business. So I mean there's times that my business partner Mark and I like we're delirious. But that's why I love my whole crew because they're mostly guys, but everybody gets along. We are a big family and I'm like the mom on the set. So as long as I make sure everyone's fed and taken care of and the permits are done and there's insurance and you know, all the important things, um, we all stick together and we'll find each other all just like laughing deliriously because we're on like uh, hour 19 filming and it's like it's just not
0: getting any better but we're here you know hey before uh, I hate to do this uh, before we we're going to sidebar one last time before you tell me where you guys are headed what your vision is into the future we talked about this a little earlier gender equality in your industry how how do you what would you how would you grade gender equality on a scale of 1 to 10 what would you grade it
1: no, this is like a crazy topic for me because while I understand there's a lot of stuff in the Me Too movements, and I understand that that has happened to a lot of people, I mean, I've been in situations too. I've gotten out of all of them, thank God. Um, but the pendulum swings back the other way eventually. And it's like when you push too hard, and there I also feel like a lot of people aren't truthful uh, about a lot of things. And so the other thing that I hate is I don't want to get a job just because I'm a girl. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. want to get the job. And I and you know what? If a guy gets a job over me because he's a better fit for it, great. And that's how it just should be. I, I know it's not. Um, but I just know that... I've never used, I've never had to sleep with anybody to get anything I have, I'm very thankful for that. Um, It is possible, everyone, it is possible to be in Hollywood to succeed and not be a whore, like it really truly is. There's a lot of people that are good, Uh, but there's a lot of snakes too. So I just think just as long as you're with the right people and your character, because I always tell people, even my character has to come with me, even when I leave the movie theater, I can't leave it with my film. My character has to come with me. So I think if, if you're doing the right things and you're with the right people um, and, and things go wrong, then you've got to say something. But I also think that you shouldn't be the attention whores, you know, if you will, um, or be making things up or making things bigger than they should be because there's a lot of people who do that and I feel bad for a lot of men, um, and especially a lot of men that have worked very hard in the last few years to get certain positions just to be outswung because now getting women in is the thing to do. Uh, again, the pendulum swings back the other way. To me, it just makes everybody mad. Uh, I handle everything the way when it comes and i know that i'm always surrounded by people that i trust especially like my business partner mark or um i work a lot with ernie o'donnell from clerks uh and he's been in all kevin smith's films and stuff so we always like to check each other and let each other know who we're dealing with and um if we go into places we go together Uh, i do do a lot of stuff um sometimes on my own especially in europe because i'm the one who usually gets sent and i freelance produce For a a couple different networks over there in a lot of different places so I'll just go over for a week or whatever but at that point too I still have a crew of people that I've at least know one or two and they wouldn't be working at this high prestigious network um, if they were a bunch of creeps and so we all were we all watch out for each other you have to be careful Um, I also know I'm not going into the Middle East or, or doing anything stupid I've gone to third world countries I've been in really crazy situations but I I always go with security because we're filming when I was down in Haiti um, but then they make sure that you get on the bus with the kids and, and the men you know will come but everybody is knock on wood has always been very protective always looking out for, for that kind of stuff and so you just gotta watch who you're with and who you're around and just do the best that you can
0: hmm Interesting. Now, tell us where you guys are headed. Where's your production company headed?
1: So, um, because obviously with the epidemic, we haven't been able to really film much, but uh, my business partner and uh, our other associate went out this past weekend or last weekend um, and started filming a documentary uh, at a speedway with with racing cars and and stuff so i'm excited about that i've been the one making a ton of phone calls (laughs) and getting all things together because the sets and all that kind of stuff like the graduations and everything that that happened you have to have the least amount of people um at that time but we are are gonna still be doing some more filming with a documentary that we're working on with Uh, He's been dubbed the future of blues. His name is Clarence Beatty. Uh, He has played with everyone from B.B. King to Eric Clapton. He opened up for the Supremes and Temptations. Uh, And for the last 35 years, not only has he been a rock star and played everywhere at all the biggest and most prestigious places in the world but he also was a heroin addict um, and he lost his son last year to an overdose so he ended up getting himself clean i've been helping him through the process as well and we've been documenting everything about his story because he has i, I if you can go and become the future of blues it literally been dubbed that by um like he's been at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I mean all of these different things it's insane you can do that on drugs like let's see what you can do when you know the mind is focused and in it Uh, so we're telling his story we have a ghostwriter writing uh, a book that's going to go along with this documentary and he's also going to be recording um, with some high named people and other artists uh, for a new album and I'm excited about that so we'll hopefully we can talk more about that and we'll have more about that um next year like in the spring you know a little bit so what you're saying
0: is what you're saying is uh you'll be back on my show in a few months and we'll look outstanding all right go ahead i'm sorry i meant to cut you off
1: no that's totally fine so yeah absolutely i would i would come back in a heartbeat and i can bring clarence with me um but it's funny because he'll just again um just a few weeks ago one of my other best friends is uh, Jesse Snyder who is D Snyder's son from Twisted Sister and he came down and Clarence came to my house and we're in the backyard and they're playing guitar and singing and I'm like again dad you said nobody was gonna come and knock on my door so I brought it here <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> but it's so cool because I'm like if what happens if they write a song and it gets a Grammy in a few years and it happened in my backyard but it was just it was easy to do because we still have like 30 acres here um, on the family homestead that's uh, shared between my parents, like I said, next door and myself. So um, we have a big pond and all that. And so all the creative people have been coming to my place because they can just go down the pond or sit by the, the, creek, the creek, creek, however you say it. <laughs> um, and it's just so cool because, and Clarence is also a Grammy nominated artist. He lost to B.B. King and I'm like, that's not a bad thing to lose to. No, it's not. Um, but he's collaborating with people like Josh Stone, Gavin DeGraw, Ace Fraley, like all these, like the Four Tops. I mean, unbelievable, and it's like the coolest thing ever. And it's even cooler to see him stay sober and to continue to start to see himself and his own real achievements and like how talented he truly, truly is because he's been so zoned out for so long. Like the look in his eyes and his smile and stuff, oh it just makes me so excited. So I have that personal struggle and again I'm broken. I like to tell everybody, though, like, whether you're religious or not, I mean, it says in Second Corinthians that God chooses people to suffer so they, in turn, can help others who suffer. So, it's like, you can take God out of it if you want to, but the principle's still the same. So, it's like, if that's not true, then why the hell am I here, you
0: know? Right. <laughs> All right, so, uh, the... What about future projects? What do you... What do you if you had a... Uh, if you could choose a dream project for your production company to work on within the next... 18 months to two years. What would it be?
1: Well, um, wow, secretly, you, you answered
0: that pretty quick.
1: <laughs> we're working on it. Um, oh, okay. I have someone who has a very prestigious name and an Emmy, uh, writing a feature film based on my life. So wow. that's been my passion project, especially because, uh, a lot of people are interested in it because of the op- opioid epidemic. Uh, and how something can happen and how you react to it and your your perception i think that's the biggest thing is perception so i'm i just am super excited to get that out there just because it's been 17 years man in the making and like i'm not waiting for it to happen it just happened but it catches so many people off guard that it ends up inspiring and helping more people why not? You know, I, I want to, it'll be more like, almost like the blind side where like Sandra Bullock's character where she's not like the hero. Cause like, I don't like the attention and I'm not doing it for that. I just know that I'm the only person who can speak on it because I'm the only person who did it and lived through it and here I am. And, and you know, so I'm, that's my, that's my goal. But I do truly love our passion projects for the team are just like the ones that I did down in Haiti uh, where I produced with uh, Academy Award winning producer, director, Robert May, uh, where you work with organizations and nonprofits and do documentaries. I like to give a voice to people who wouldn't have otherwise have been heard. And then through that voice, just that we did that 10 minute documentary in Haiti. If you go to openarmshaiti.com, it's, it's a Christian orphanage organization we were working with. We went down there and um, it was incredible. But that 10 minute thing, when it first was shown at the national um, convention, that year in 2016, within 20 minutes, it raised over $2 million and in less than a year from us filming it, they had this 14 acre facility that was, uh, had a school and it, I mean, clean water, housing, uh, food, self-sustaining agriculture and self-sustaining, I mean, it was incredible to be able to see these people. And I still continue to keep in touch with those kids down there because now they have internet face, you know, FaceTime and iPads and computers. And, um, so And then before the COVID project was happening, we were working with uh, one of the Queen's charities over in England. I got Oxford connected and involved at the time. Um, And it was going to be a documentary on the homeless over there since they were having such an issue with homeless people dying and things like that. And just having it be an issue. Um, And... We also are still in talking about uh, homeless veterans here in the United States. I mean, so, but we're working with all of these uh, nonprofits and everything ultimately because we want to make sure that the money goes back to them, that people hear their story, that people, and and I love going and being a part of it and filming with that. And I like walking a mile in their shoes. I mean, some people are so afraid of it, but how else are you going to get the perspective? I mean, the people who've had nothing are the ones who had everything. And
0: that's what I needed to see. So, <laughs> wow. All right. So this is how we're going to end it up today. Uh, hypothet- it's hypothetical, of course. Um, I, you have, you are in. For some reason, you're in your Atlanta office, and and uh, an individual walks into your office, sits down, and wants to go to work for your organization. You're the interviewer. They're the interviewee. What are you looking for in an interviewee? Are you looking for you? Are you, or do you hold, you can't possibly hold anybody in that high standard because you got way too much get up and go for... Oh, no,
1: no, no. Like I said, I... (laughs) I just have all these accomplishments to get in the door because then they're like, oh, go talk and inspire people. So I'm like, I'm proudest of my failures. And then they're like, wait, what? Like their bun totally squeezes up. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not disrespectful. But if I went in there and said I was, you know, a drug addict and stuff, nobody's going to listen to me. Sixty-three so, I mean, interviews and she stuff... brought
0: bun in. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: It's I OK. I got... hey, 63 <laughs> interviews. I just never heard it. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: I'm always the first. So, like, <laughs> yeah. what would
0: you... Like, what would your... Because you always look for the ideal candidate. You you have to... No, you have to
1: I like broken people, broken too. People. Like, Yeah, I like people that need a chance, but I need to see that you're at least been trying. Like I can't, you can't be like, oh, I've been sober a week. I mean, no, like I understand if you're couch surfing and all that kind of stuff, but like you've been clean for like, you know, nine months and you're, you're just trying to get back on your feet or, but you do have some kind of education or you have some kind of skill. Like show me your skill, like, let's go see. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't, we, we hire people whether you have a degree or not. Uh, if you're good at what you do, Who cares about anything else? Uh, I mean, within reason, because you got to be able to trust them, obviously, and and whatnot. But that's what I make them sign contracts for. (laughs) Um, But honestly, like, I don't care who you are. If you've been on top, that's even, and you've never had an issue with anything in your life. Like, you know, some people have never even had an overdue library book. That's okay, too, because... You just need to know and be prepared, which I would, of course, obviously talk to them in advance, be like, you're going to start to see stuff that you probably don't want to see, especially when it comes to the documentary things. I mean, obviously horror film, it's I mean, there are some times I mean, I've worked with special effects artists from Face Off, the TV show, and wow, are they incredibly accurate? Like, it's like, wow, that's really actually gross. But I also get like autopsies for Christmas from my uh, cousin who's a deputy coroner because I'm just interested. Again, natural curiosity. Anyways, (laughs) Um, but you're going to see some things. It's kind of like the news. Like they don't prepare you to go out and then they think, oh, puppies and bunnies and parades and then you're standing on the side of the road and some guy's brain is completely smashed open and you know nobody's covering it up i've i've actually had people that have fainted (laughs) when they've been out and it's like they don't and they forget to tell you that there's news on christmas on new year's morning like all the holidays it doesn't it doesn't stop um so you're gonna have to work those times if you if not go be a teacher uh this isn't a nine to five job either when i When I worked at um, the news station, I started at like three in the morning um, and went until like noon or 1230. Uh, But there were also times, too, that we were live on the air for 28 hours straight because I think it was Hurricane Isabella was coming through. And it was it was we had to keep everybody informed. So it's like you're just constantly, constantly doing it. it. I don't care where the hell you came from. Just if you're a decent person, you can at least be trusted. Be positive. We don't like, we don't like Debbie Downer people. <laughs> we're we like to keep our set like happy and positive. And yeah, things are gonna go wrong and people are gonna have bad days. But we try to you know encourage leaving home at home and let's just focus on this because we're all doing something that we love to do and we're passionate about. And we're doing it together, and we don't know when the next time we're gonna do it together again is because you never know if once you do this commercial, if you don't have another one lined up. It's not like you jump in again. You, again, have to hustle in this industry. I don't have people just calling us all the time. You have to connect with ad agencies. You have to connect with businesses. You have to get them to trust you enough to do their social media or uh, video commercials and then do the ad placements and the buys for them and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We do everything with that as well. We do political campaigns. Um, There's a lot of stuff that we have our hands in. And so when we need you and and it fits, we always like to hire as many people as we can. And I don't care where you came from, what you look like, what you did, as long as you're not an a-hole, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> it's, your, it's number one rule, don't be that.
0: <laughs> all right, so uh, before you get out of here, first of all, I wanna thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, because like I said, I know you got a lot of things going on. Um, tell everybody that's listening to the show how they could reach out to you get in touch with you follow you you know the whole like share subscribe kind of there anywhere they can find you and your production company and all the things that you guys got going on so sure um
1: so the number 258 studios.com is our production company's website um you can also find it uh on facebook and on instagram with spelled out 258 studios excuse me um and then i'm again excuse me i personally am on facebook i have a page stacy toy s-t-a-c-e-y don't forget the e There's a lot of people who have been messaging my other cousins and all of that stuff, which is totally fine. But some of them don't check their email or their messages or their Facebook for like months, so like I won't even get to you. But I have a page on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and on LinkedIn. All Stacy Toy, (laughs) S-T-A-C-E-Y-T-O-Y.
0: All right. Uh, Like I said, I can't thank you enough for being here. When I first um, we first made contact with each other about you being on the show. I thought, man, this this lady here, shes I can't wait to hear her story about being uh, a warrior and a survivalist and a trailblazer, but I have changed my opinion of you. You are not a trailblazer. You are a charismatic enigma, is what you are. You are, ah! you are something that I have never I seen. Hey, hey, I have never seen anybody like you before. I guess it'd be the easiest way to explain it.
1: Well, that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: So, now, now, I've been learning from my past, okay? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I um, I can't thank you enough, and uh, I can't wait to have you back on. I was going to ask you about your book, but then you told me about the movie, and that doesn't shock me because you, you know, you jump ahead, you put the cart before the horse, you got the movie before the book, it's, it, it doesn't I shock me. I had children before I got married. What it, do you expect hey, from I, me? <laughs> I know plenty of folks that's happened to, so that's, you're, you're nothing special in that area, so, <laughs> all right, so... um Like I said, uh, I can't wait to talk to you in the future. I wish you all the best, and uh, thank you again. Thank you. You have a great day. And as always, guys, Wally out.